Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. And I give a shit. I give a shit about you. I do. You know, if you're feeling right now like no one gives a shit, well, I do. You can always get in touch with me and I'll I'll pat you on the back or the head, wherever you, well, uh, anyway, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, we are going, we have a great guest here for you. You'll get, you'll, I'm like getting nervous saying her name because like, um, it's, I don't know. I'm just nervous, I guess. So it's Yulia Lakarova. La- you say, it, you say. Yulia Laricheva, but you just call me Yulia, like the artist. Like I normally, and like I normally do. Yeah. I got stuck trying to say your last name. It's all right. It's a lot of syllables. No, no, it's, it's. So anyway, so she's here. She's here today. And uh, are you sick of people telling you to vote? Because you should vote. But you you should vote. And I feel like I feel like anyone who's listening to this station is already going to vote. I feel like it actually makes me feel guilty. What I should be doing is being at a phone bank, making calls to people who really might not vote or vote wrong, vote for the wrong person. Um, and I just, before we get into it, I just want to remind you to take Radio Free Brooklyn with you wherever you go by downloading our free apps, uh, radiofreebrooklyn.org slash iPhone or slash Android, depending on the device that's relevant for you. But it's a great way to get through life because we got the coolest stuff here going on. So I'm going to tell you about Julia. Why am I doing this? It never happens when we're hanging you know, well, so I know Yulia from advertising originally, right, Yulia? Yeah, we met at a party like ages ago. Ages ago, an advertising party, right? And uh, Yulia is extremely, extremely talented. She's still gainfully employed and has her own business in advertising, not unlike unlike myself who flunked out of advertising. But that's a whole other story. Uh, never mind. Um, so the thing about Yulia that I want to talk about with Yulia today, if I say it enough, maybe I'll get over it. You uh, can call me Jules. My friends call me Jules, too. Jules, maybe. Yeah. It feels pretentious to me. You know that? It does. Not when I'm talking to you, but when I'm saying it on the air for some reason. I didn't know I was going to feel like that. That's why I feel pretentious. Again, it's a big name. <laughs> I'm an idiot. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> We're laughing. It's fun. We're having fun already. I can tell. I can tell. So anyway, so here's the thing about Yulia is that um, she is incredibly bright, incredibly talented, and freaking driven, like more driven than any like I can't think of a human that I know personally that's more driven. Like there are more driven people, but I don't know them personally. Steve Jobs. He's dead. <laughs> He's dead. And I never met him when he was alive. I was thinking about Oprah today because I saw Oprah on um, endorsing. Uh, My friend was in the elevator with her yesterday. And oh, really? he said that she was singing um, Hail to the Chief. She was just whistling it to herself, which is kind of like a life goal. That's kind of cute. Yeah. But anyway, so we want to find out, I think, I think it'd be really interesting. And one of the things about Yulia that is really, that um, I, I think may give us a hint into an insight into why 
she is so um, successful and driven is that she comes originally from Russia. She was she grew up in um, outside of Moscow. She was born in 1979, and she lived there for 10 years until she moved here in 1989. And she told me that she moved here. Um, she immigrated here because Reagan, it was. Yeah, right? Reagan passed a law that permitted all the Jews to leave. And uh, we were out. We were like, peace out, Moscow. So I think this is so relevant at this moment in time that uh, we're speaking to an incredibly successful and um, productive and generous, generous. Julia's a great woman representative. She does a lot for women. So anyway, I think it's really fucking interesting. That's all I'm saying. And I want to make sure that we get in the name of her website, dreamnation.io. And she's got a podcast and all things. Dream Nation are on there. So go there and check it out. It's got a lot of crap about her. That's really interesting. And Um, a bunch of other people, too. A lot of crap about other other people. people. Lots of stuff. Lots of good stuff. So we were going to start off by uh, talking about your most traumatic childhood incident. Do you want to tell us? Yes. You know, I think the first one was getting my dog getting run over in front of me. That really, like, at the age of, like, seven, that just, like... That was like the worst thing in the whole entire world. But then, um, well, how did it happen? Tell us the story. You know what? I have, if you can, if you I don't can. mind, I got this little dog and I named him Toto and he looked exactly like Toto and I bought him at the market in Russia because Russia is like anything goes right. So mm-hmm. like there's everything being sold mm-hmm. except for food. You mean it's not regulated like it's, it is here. Right. It wasn't regulated at the time. And, um, my mom and I were out and she thought, it would be really great to buy me a puppy, which, of course, I loved. But he was a little spastic. You know, obviously, it was probably like an abused dog, which makes sense because I totally like take care of abuse things. So <laughs> it's just why we're friends, which is why we're friends. Right. So I had him probably for a month and we're house training him. And he was just very, very spastic. And um, my grandma and I went to fetch water because we didn't have running water. So we had to walk. Can you imagine? Yeah. So no had, running water. No place. running water. We had to walk with the pails, like Russian style, you know, like wow. you see in the 1800s, bring your own water in the winter. And uh, wow. this was like in the fall. And um, we we're going to go fetch water. And I was like, I want to bring my dog. And grandma's like, no, 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 you should leave him. And I was like, no, 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 I want to, I want to take him for a walk. And I took him for a walk. And after we got the buckets of water, uh, my dog just ran off the leash. He just he just pulled so hard that I lost control of the mm. leash and he ran into the road. Mm. And uh, and I checked both ways. I'm like seven. And, and I, because my first instinct is to run after him and capture right. him because he's already like on the other side and he's he's zigzagging all over the road. And um, he's a puppy. He's he's like a, he's he's a puppy. And um, I saw this car coming and I just looked at my dog and then I looked at my grandma and I looked at the car and I was like, well, I can't stay with the dog because he's going to kill me. Mm. So I was like, okay, I have to go to my grandma. So I ran to my grandma and then we just turned around and uh, my dog just got run over. Just like a huge truck. Like splat. Just like, like splat. And, uh, and my grandma was like, don't look, don't look. I got this. Just stay here. Mm. And my grandma was so hardcore. Like my grandma was my inspiration, right? And um, she just literally like dragged him off the leash, like to a roadside yelping still. And he just, know, he just died because it was, it was a splat. Um, it was a bad splat. And um, I think that was probably like, I've had a really great childhood. So 
Mm-hmm. That was probably the most shocking part of it. Did, just did, not being um, in control. Did the driver stop? He didn't. He kept on going, which was very Russian. Oh. And how did your grandmother handle you? Me? Mm-hmm. Was she reassuring? Like, what's your memory of it? Like, has it traumatized you or? You know what? She just. I mean, does it affect you now or did you just learn something from that? Or? I just learned something from it because. I think you just learned that, like, A, you have to listen to people when they tell you things. Like, okay, maybe you should leave the dog at home. Maybe it's not the right moment right now, mm. right? And then I also learned that um, sometimes you just have to do the really hard things. Like, I would not be able to go there and just push the dog into the side. That's that's my dog. Right. But my grandma was so hardcore. She was able to just, like, deal with that. She was able to keep me away from it and make sure that, like, everything fell into place. So that's crazy. That's crazy. That's like crazy positive because like instead of like having it like, you know, make, you know, put some deep um, gash in your soul. What it did was it taught you resilience and admiration for the strength your grandmother had. So you you actually wound up walking away with kind of a great life lesson, it sounds like. I did. I mean, I I want I I love that dog. There you go, guys. I love that. No dog. more crying. All right. Shut up. She Look, there's your example right here. I haven't had a dog since. So that's how traumatic really? it's been. Oh, I haven't had a pet all right. since. So like, really? Oh, but I'm okay. working up to it. I will have mm-hmm. a dog again. Why don't, why don't you foster a dog from Waggy Tail, my friend's uh, foster agency? I don't even have time to like walk and yeah, feed myself right you now. Don't. But whenever my life comes into a space where I actually have a backyard and, you know, that, that will happen. Eventually you will. Event- it's time now. Yeah. I mean, it's time, meaning that you don't have time for a pet. I get that. Yeah. So um, what did your parents do? Like, how did what was it like when you came here? Where what did your parents do in 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 outside of Moscow? So outside of Moscow. So my parents got divorced when I was two. And mm-hmm. I'm not really close with my dad. Like we Skype, we FaceTime, whatever. We're Is like he in Moscow. He's in Moscow. So he stayed. We immigrated. My mom gave him a choice to immigrate. And he was like, no, I want to stay because they were divorced by that time. We mm-hmm. immigrated at seven. And my mom was like, hey, do you want to immigrate with us? And he was like, no, I, I don't feel comfortable. I don't know anybody. I'm just going to stay with my family here. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad actually owns a karate studio and he teaches Kung Fu and Jiu Jitsu and like Taekwondo. So cool. And he's in a polar bear club. So I think I get my driven sense from that oh and also physicality physicality but uh your I think, physical energy this chick has so much physical energy <laughs> yeah but i think now he's just retired he's just hanging out um he might teach some private classes mm-hmm. and then my mom um in russia she actually was the book buyer for the russian library so books wow. are really important yeah but then being a jew you have a, a jew stamp on your passport so it's really hard to get a job anywhere so really? My, yeah, because wow. you come in and it says Jew when you're applying for a job and it's so anti-Semitic. They were like, is it no. still like that? Um, I can't say have because I, haven't, I have not been back, but I it was a very anti-Semitic That's terrible. Country, so, yeah, it's not a place no. where you want to be Jewish. Horrible. So my mom um, ended up actually working as a secretary for a long time, but she had a hard time finding um work because we're supposed to immigrate so once you tell the country you're immigrating you're kind of banned even more Mm. so um it was really really hard and she worked as a secretary here and there but we basically survived on our vegetable garden for a long time wow did you live with your grandmother yeah the three of you yep 
But you say your childhood was happy. So even though you were, were you, you were poor, poor, yeah, were you we're po- really considered poor. poor? Oh, pretty, pretty poor. I mean, if you're growing your own vegetables, you know, like, yeah, well, I don't mom. know, you know, I don't know. I relative to Russia, relative to America. Yeah. Sure. But relative to Russia, you were considered poor. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I think a lot of people were in the same boat as us where we were. So, mm-hmm. um, I didn't feel poor because I didn't really want anything. And your friends were all poor. And my friends are all poor. Well, some friends were rich. You know, it depends. Like, uh-huh. somebody had a farm. Somebody had this. But um, I never realized I was poor. I didn't realize I was mm-hmm. poor until later on, maybe, like, in my teenage years when I got to America. And I was like, Yeah, right. Oh. Where, they descri- where it's much more obvious. Right. So, um, what was the, what was the, immi- this is about immigration, folks. What's the, what was it, what was it like immigrating? That must have been, like, incredible. It was. My uncles have been here for a very long time. My uncle actually invented the dissolving stitches years ago. Get out. Yeah. He's Is he like, rich? <laughs> no, he's middle class. Why? Didn't he, he, he didn't get a patent on that? No, it's not a patent. He did it for, um, I think, oh, United company. Surgical. Yeah, for They're him. rich. Okay. <laughs> They're rich. But um, yeah, my uncle is like the classic story. He came here. He drove a cab for a very long time. He couldn't get a job. So he was the first to immigrate. And then um, he pulled his mother and my mom, his sister and me over. Mm-hmm. um 10 years later and uh and um that's how we came over and then reagan opened the doors and we immigrated and we spent a um about six months living in austria vienna how how come um they have to process all your paperwork so vienna was a destination point where you go to either israel or you go to um america mm-hmm. did you know you wanted to come to america yeah we knew i think when we left um first we thought we were going to go to israel but then my mom decided she did not want me to be in the military. Thank you, mom. Mm. So, uh, so we ended up coming here. Mm-hmm. But we still have relatives in um, Israel. Mm-hmm. So, did you get your citizenship? Yes, and I got does my citizenship. Your mom have her citizenship. Yeah. But so, what was that like as a small child? Like you were what ten when you came here? Yeah. The only words I knew were, um, "Hi, my name is Julia." I went by Julia because right. Americans. People like me, exactly. I get it. (laughs) So I was like, sensible. I was like, I like pizza. Where did you move to? We moved to Connecticut, which Mm -hmm. is like, um, you know, totally like 180 from Russia, Mm -hmm. especially Connecticut. You know. So what was that like for you as a child? Um, I was very lucky to be in a very great community. Mm -hmm. What part of Connecticut? Um, around New Haven. Mm -hmm. So it was a Jewish community, and there were a lot of people who were just very welcoming, and um who made the transition a lot easier. Mm. So I had um, a really great school. I had a really great network. I don't think I would have been able to assimilate so well if I had not had And you had friends? Um, or when you say network, you're talking about adults? Adults. I would like to say a community of adults, right? Uncles, uh, friends, um, you know, a really great elementary school that helped me get a tutor and took in a bunch of us who were refugees. Mm-hmm. And they... Um, they give us this wonderful woman who was my teacher for a long time, Joan Devenning. <laughs> oh, I get choked up talking about her. Wow. She um she actually died on a bus bombing in 1995 in, in Israel, in um, the last bus bombing before they um, ended up building the wall. So um she yeah. was this really amazing woman that was like so much fun. She taught sex ed for us. And then she just, um, in eighth grade, you know, we went on the sabbatical. Um, we all went on a class trip and... After we graduated, she went on a sabbatical to Israel by herself, and she just got on the wrong bus with the wrong seat. Mm. And um, tragedy. That's tragedy. A tragedy. It's yeah. a tragedy. But she she she, did, she made such a good um, uh, contribution to the planet with you people, right? Yeah, with she, all of you. Well, with everyone, I think every she was a very giving person. So I mm-hmm. think I learned a lot from her. 
mm-hmm. just to be adventurous and generous and kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, I didn't think I was going to get so choked up. Wow, that's a lot wow. of memories. But good. But you know, just being surrounded by really incredible people who help lift you up. Yeah, and give you opportunities and um, who are kind. Yeah. So your mom got a job easily or not too hard you know wasn't too hard and you learned english okay yeah we assimilated and um and we just started grooving it took a while it took about two years before we started speaking the language Mm -hmm. you know my mom was teaching me english when we were in in russia because it's a curriculum in the school so she already spoke english oh good so she was just like feeding me words and it took me Mm -hmm. about two years to be fully did your mom meet any guys here she did. She dated a bunch of Russian guys, and it was just all like, oh, it's all a hot mess. So she's single now. She's single, yes. My mom was going to be perpetually single. She didn't remarry. Single. No, she didn't. She just, you know, I think she um, she likes the adventurous types, and she just goes for the wrong men. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, mm-hmm. she's very independent. <laughs> but you're close with her. We are, unfortunately. I'm an only child. There's no Unfortunately. <laughs> There's no escape when you're an only child. Oh, I know. But you guys have, I mean, a good rapport or? We do. You know, um, we always had a really great relationship. But in the last few years, it's been very hard due to our different political beliefs. Like she's become Republican, which is really, really interesting. Yeah. But that's so weird because that's I so know. anti-immigration. So what I does know. she say? How does she? You know, she believes that um, people should immigrate um, through the proper channels like we did. So she's for immigration, but she thinks that like there has to be some some due process that you actually mm-hmm. go through as mm-hmm. opposed to just, you know, mm-hmm. immigrating. But um, but then again, I, uh, it's it's a conversation we have over and over again. Oh, and so I'm like, she doesn't like like people just coming into the country and trying to get in here or something. Yeah, she wants them to go to Austria first. Yeah, she wants like she wants process. They should come here, but go to Austria first. Yeah, she's okay. like, I waited ten years to immigrate to America. I could see. So I mean, I can like, understand that. I don't think that I necessarily agree with it, but I I can see her point. That's, right. It's not that she doesn't want the people here. She just wants the pro. She wants them to have to do what she. I get that. And it's been the most interesting point to like figure out how to connect with my mom about politics, right? Because mm-hmm. it's different. But when you're like in your family, you're like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, this is interesting." Well, how do I know this person who is very loving, and I know she's loving, and I know she's empathetic? But then, like, how do I have her see that in the bigger frame of things? And how well, do I see that? Well, in the what, bigger is, frame of what does she think about the rhetoric coming out of Trump? Um. We've had these conversations over and over again. And I think what's interesting is that she believes that it's the same thing that was happening in in Russia. It's the conversation coming out of places where you're not sure where it's coming from. And usually it's like, you don't know who's doing it, right? So you don't know the truth. Mm -hmm. So we keep on going to these conversations where she's like, I'm not really sure what's going on. Oh, she's so like, she doesn't trust anything. She doesn't trust anything, right? Because we grew up in a country that was Russian and everything that we were told was completely just lies, right? Mm. It was complete, um, mm-hmm. it was complete just propaganda. So what she's having trouble with is trying to figure out the propaganda because we are Russian and we were like, wait, Russia wants to attack America. That's like, you know, there's like this, such a big war and all that stuff. But like, what is true? Like as a Russian, we'd, Nobody wanted to attack. We we're all like afraid that America was going to attack us. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody on both sides. It's mm-hmm. like, like who is right. really telling the story? So your mother may have a different um, take on what the 
the um, role of the news media and the government as far as being honest and truthful is yes. coming from her background, that she may be a lot more accepting of the rhetoric because uh, she grew up that way. Or she just she just kind of doesn't let it affect her opinions, yeah. right? She tries not to look into it because I think it's, mm-hmm. I know I'm, I get really triggered. Like I turned on the news today and I was like, oh, there's a new political ad. Oh, it's against the caravan of refugees. I'm so angry. But then I'm like, wait, calm down. Like this is, this is exactly what the media wants me to do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're instigating me and they're showing mm-hmm. me footage. But like, what is the truth? Have right. I seen this clip anywhere? No. Like, how much do I know? Like, everything, there's just so much information right now, and I'm constantly wanting to react. But then I'm like, okay, okay, what's going on? Like, okay, is Kavanaugh going to take away all my rights? Yes, he's a horrible person, but what is he doing to actually physically take away all my rights? Right, right, right. So it's kind of like there's all this panic going on, right? And you mm-hmm. have to, like, mm-hmm. stop in the middle of this tornado and go, these are all the voices. What is actually happening? So you're were you're from an athletic family. Were you athletic growing up? No, I was an art kid. And uh, I didn't have health insurance for a very long time. You know, like single mom, whatever. So I was always afraid to break something. So I never uh, played any sports. Oh, really? Huh. But I'm, I, I'm really good at soccer and I love tennis. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I'm also an artist. So I always was really, really afraid to break my arm because that would mean I wouldn't be able to draw or write or mm-hmm. anything else. Mm-hmm. And were you always like an A student? I picture you as an A student. I was like a B plus A minus student. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it had to do is because um, I was really focused into art. Mm-hmm. And um, I wish I was really more into math and science, but it was never framed to me in a way where I could understand it. Mm-hmm. because I think like my whole entire life I was told I was artsy 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 right like I didn't not until college did I realize that I was I was an entrepreneur because I've been doing entrepreneurial things my whole entire life but as a woman you're told you're artsy right. and you're making art but and, no I, I have a business and you went to Am. where did you go to school UMass Amherst yeah. not Amherst I'm not Uni- not, University not of Massachusetts so yeah in the Amherst campus but um and what did you study there I created my own major, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Of course. And what was that? Um, it was called Creative Socially Aware Advertising. And it was through their BDIC program, which is a really wonderful program. So I basically wrote my whole entire curriculum <clears throat> before I entered the college. And I told them what I was interested in. And I had to get advisors. And um, I created my own curriculum out of the five college networks. So I had to look at their courses. And I chose what courses I wanted and then I utilize- this is crazy. You know this? No, check this out. It's it gets crazier. I utilized internships too, so I had internship credit cover some courses, and then and then get this, I launched my first magazine and tech platform senior year as my what? senior thesis. So before Zuckerberg was building tech platforms, right. my partner Jasmine um, Trebelsi, who's a really brilliant woman. Her husband was the is the CTO of Etsy. He was the CTO of Flickr, mm-hmm. and her and I are like we're still mm-hmm. really good friends. She lives around the corner from me, and um, she approached me, and we're both kind of you know feminist and artsy. And she's like, you know, I'm building this tech platform. I kind of want to do an art magazine, and I just wrapped up an internship at Paper, and she finished one at Fitness, and we came back, and we were so bored senior year. She was like, do you want to do a project together and launch an art magazine? And I was like, yeah, there are not enough woman artists 
So we launched something that's still up. It's called artsymag.com, and we feature 365 women artists mm. from all over the world. Wow. We interviewed Judy Chicago. We interviewed um, wow. Yoko Ono. We've interviewed every possible woman. We um, what year is this? 99. Mm-hmm. So this was before Zuckerberg. When you're in college. When we're in college. Mm-hmm. And we got a $5,000 grant from UMass to do this. Holy shit. So we were doing a platform our senior year instead of going to college. We were still going to classes, but this was our main focus. Mm-hmm. And um, Art Forum had like a 34-page discussion on whether or not an art feminist magazine need, needs to be. We're like, we were we were a splash. We, yeah. We splashed ahead into of, the, Ahead of your time really, or like at the beginning of the of your time. Yeah. And then, um, you know, now there's artsy.net, but they kind of like took our name and they just yeah. wiped out the woman aspect we were <laughs> we were the first platform to sell art online wow. for women well so but like what, what's so interesting to me is like the initiative that a young person like yourself would what what did you have in mind when you put all those majors together you know all that stuff together to make your own major were you thinking what were you feeling like? Were you thinking like, I want to have control over my life. No one's going to tell me what to do. Or I have, did you have a vision at the end? What were you thinking? What uh, the hell were you thinking? I knew I wanted to be in control of my day, what I was learning, what I was consuming, what was relevant, what wasn't relevant. Because I was like, wait, I don't want to take a bunch of accounting courses. I want to take a bunch of marketing courses. And I also, oh, we also had Marxist economics teachers, which was amazing. And I was like, I'm going to take a few classes mm-hmm. because that's an amazing opportunity. I'm interested. I'm not just an artist. I'm interested in business. I'm interested yeah. in economics. Yeah. And if I just signed up for a traditional art major, I wasn't going to be exposed to the business side. Mm-hmm. And then my um, my main goal with my major was to create impact through advertising and storytelling, to create a social impact. Um, I grew up listening to a lot of punk rock as a teenager. Once I got into America, you know, like there's nothing more rebellious than being a Connecticut teenager and going to mm-hmm. punk rock shows. You know, you're just like rebelling oh, against yeah. the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up listening to a lot of like Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits, um, a lot of music that's super high energy and super positive. Like mm-hmm. my favorite song is Gorilla Biscuits. Let's start today. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. for the first time in my life, won't pass me by. There you go. So it's all about seizing your day and doing the max right Mm -hmm. like perfect example i just got off a conference call on my phone as i was wrapping it up i got into a cab and i'm here Mm -hmm. after this Mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna go for a workout like i am like i'm the rock (laughs) so what what is that that's driving you what do you think do you think it's from like what do you like what do you think it is i think that i'm so aware that life is so short and so many other people need to wake up and they need to be following their passion and i want to be able to create all of these tools and a a lot of my tools comes from my voice right using my voice and telling people that they can start controlling their life and really be living their dream because a lot of us i think they just go okay well i gotta go to college i gotta Mm -hmm. i gotta go through a system right Mm -hmm. and then they go through a system and they're not happy Mm -hmm. and then they go through some program that they're not even happy at and then they go to some job that they get because they think they have to go through a program to get it and then they end up in this boardroom with a bunch of people that they don't even like. And now they're stuck in this life. And then they're married to someone because they think there's like yeah, some they time. Just got, they just got on the train and, and shut their eyes. I get that. So, so as a um, so as a as a uh, pretend shrink, I'm going to um, ask you a, a challenging. I'm going to challenge you. OK, because that's that's why we're here. Um, so what uh, some shrinks would say that your biz, your busyness or I'm going to say it's almost like a compulsion, although a very positive one 
is an avoidance of something else or some feelings or a fear or something like that. Have you ever thought about that way? Uh, about it that way? Have you ever been in therapy? No, okay. I don't. I think I can. I'm pretty good about solving my own problems. You couldn't sit still long enough. Anyway. I would be analyzing the therapist. No, I'm not selling no, therapy. You know I'm just Ooh. curious if you've ever talked about I this. I have. You know, I was in couples therapy. In my last relationship with my ex-husband, uh, we spent 11 years married? together. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a really wonderful person. Can I ask you how long you're married or how 11 long you're years. with him? Okay. 11 so that, years. And how old were you when you got married? Oh, gosh. Well, we were unofficially married. I don't but, really but, believe like, in Did marriage. you meet him in your 20s? Yeah, 24. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Okay. And um, he's a wonderful person. We're still friends. Nice. He's great. But I remember he dragged me into therapy. And I just remember I hated it. I hated being in therapy. Why? Because I was like, let's just go on a trip. Let's just do things together. I don't want to sit here and focus on the problems. I want to focus on the solutions. Uh huh. And I'm going to give you a bunch of solutions. And let's try to like bridge the gap, meet each other halfway. Give me a list of your solutions and I'll try your solutions and you try my solutions. And we figure out a common ground. And what did he say to that? No, he just was like, what? I think he just wanted to get through to what? me in a different way. Why did he want you to go into therapy? Do you, do you um, remember? You know, our couples therapy. It's a good question. Not you personally. Couples therapy. I'm actually trying to think about that. Why? Um, It came to the point where I have a really, really stressful career in advertising. Yeah. So I'm working a lot. Yeah. A lot of that had to be impacted by work. My crazy schedule. Like I had trouble making the appointments because I would always get deadlines. So it's like I can't make a seven o'clock. Like this is stressing me out because I have a deadline and I have to stay at work till 10 o'clock. But then like. Like, you're messing up my career. Mm-hmm. So he no. was like, well, you're putting everything aside for your career. And I'm like, this is my career. Like, I can't choose between the two and you have to accept me for what it is. And he wasn't expecting. He was expecting me to be more of a wife than of a person that I am. If mm-hmm. you if you get me, you know, I'm a workaholic, but, you know, I make time. So mm-hmm. I, you know, usually on the weekends, I, I dedicate to like hanging out every free second that I'm not working. I'm fully present. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm guilty of being not fully present as we all are. And I've been a lot better about like putting away the phone and things like that. But you can't expect a fish to climb a tree. He wanted somebody else. That's what it was in the end. And mm-hmm. he wanted kids and a family. And I just wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. And and that's it. And something. So, so back to um, back to what I was saying. So are there like so do you think that I mean, it sounds like. You really focus on the positive which is great. And it's where I'm, I'm not, you know, the, whatever you're doing, don't change. Don't change at all because it really works. I'm not Lisa, never. <laughs> don't change anything. I'm just trying to understand it because I'm probably, you know, I mean, I'm envious, obviously. What's the magic here? But, but it's, I, the magic is you just decide to put on a rosy pair of glasses. Well, I'm, I'm with, I think the question I'm asking is that, um, would 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 somebody might say that you are burying your real feelings that you know like like i mean it's just so interesting to me because like when you talked about what happened with your dog you had a very positive outlook on it which is incredible and admirable and so is like don't you ever get pissed off isn't any don't you ever feel like anything sucks where's the cynicism you know what? I think my positivism 
I think my positivity is driven by my super deep cynicism, right? It's kind of like a Lily Allen video when she's just like running down the street and she sees like a crack pipe and she's like, ah, oh, that's the magic wand, you know, because it's like, you know, shit is shit and you see shit and you know exactly what's going on. But you, if you let the shit be shit, it's going to eat you. Mm-hmm. It's going to win. Mm-hmm. So in order to save yourself, you have to create a space for good things to exist. Mm-hmm. And in order to save the world, mm-hmm. you have to be positive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not saying it's not disacknowledging the negative side. Like when my dog got killed, oh my God, like that obviously is a trauma that I still carry to this day. It's horrific. But um, all the other traumas, they just give you a perspective and they give you like a new experience, almost like a new level in a video game. You just unlock a new emotion and you go, holy shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. that happened and I feel that and I can acknowledge it, but I can also create a way to like mm-hmm. move forward. Almost like, I mean, a survive victim, right? That's how you yeah, have to do you like, think do some of that is from um, having a, you know, um, not having a lot um, when you were a child, young child. Do you, do you feel like that is influenced? You, I mean, you seem to have this sense of like a lot that you need to get done in a very short amount of time because we're only alive for however it is. It, and and you seem to be very conscious of that. Is that true? Yes. I want to make sure I own my time because now, I don't know when I'm going to go. But I'm also wondering why you are. I mean, we all think we all we're, we all have to repress the thought of death constantly. And, and some of us, we all have our own ways of doing it. And people that say they aren't are fucking liars. But anyway, so is it. Do you think you have a particularly conscious fear of death or where do you think? Do you think it's a fear of death? No, it's not a fear of death. I'm not afraid to die, although I don't want to go through it. I I probably think it's going to be like falling asleep. Like you just get a tingly sensation and it Mm -hmm. just (laughs) like I'm not afraid of the physical act of passing. I'm afraid of the legacy that I won't leave behind. Ah, Right. That's interesting. So that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in really helping people. I'm, I'm like, what can I do in my small life that can really help other people? So you feel real urgency to help people. I feel a huge urgency to use my time on Earth to create a better place for the next generation and basically everyone. Like, the, I'm vegan, right? So obviously I care about the environment. I care about the planet. Like, I really care about making things nicer. As a creator, mm-hmm. as an artist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the and least I can do. so. What's your idea about? I mean, there's so many. You can't. You can't do it all. So, what you have a focus, obviously. What's the focus, and why do why do you feel connected to that particular focus? My focus has always been championing um, women and minorities, the underspoken class, right? Because I guess. I am a woman and I'm a minority. So that is my experience. Mm -hmm. But I also know I've been giving a lot of chances to succeed and I would not be able to be here sitting with you. You know, like I, I, who knows if I never on this radio show, I'm on this radio (laughs) show, you know, you're on radio free Brooklyn, by the way, I better remind people that you're listening to radio free Brooklyn with Dr. Lisa. It's Dr. Lisa from Dr. Lisa gives a shit. And I'm here with Yulia and we're finding the magic behind how she's so, motivated and fab she's also gorgeous by the way oh my god no in case you didn't know that you should take someone to know one yeah she is 
Uh, and um, just, you know, sign up for a newsletter. Why don't you do that? Sign up for a newsletter because we're probably going to have a big fucking Christmas party and you'll be out of it if you don't sign up. So just go to our website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and sign up. So go ahead. So, so you feel, you do you feel have a sense of yourself as a successful woman? I have a sense of a, myself being a person who's been given incredible opportunities mm-hmm. that I would like to extend upon other people. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to use my opportunity. You know, like I got a chance to take an elevator. It's not a golden elevator. <laughs> you no, know, it's an elevator. What, what do you so, mean by that? Um, I could still be in Russia. Like who knows what I would be doing? I would be maybe like turning tricks on the red square. Like I don't know. So do you what feel lucky that you've gotten to leave Russia? Oh my God. Yes. I've, I've gotten lucky so many times in my life over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And I'm not really sure how these blessings have happened to me, but they have. Mm-hmm. And it is my obligation as a human to be able to give these blessings to other people. Because wow. if they ended up, doing the same it would be a very very different place the whole world would be instead focused um on ussies instead of selfies that's what i just kind of want to get out there oh that that's better than i think so i think you know like social media and all this stuff like i'm looking at it and people are just so obsessed with posting pictures of this is me i'm here and like i don't really like i have to do that because i'm on social media but it doesn't make me comfortable i'm more interested in like hey, here's a cool person that I'm with and this is what they're doing. So I'm more interested in shining a spotlight on those people and right. using my power to shine the spotlight on those people. But right. it's it's not about me. So, no, I, uh, I understand what you're saying, but what's interesting is sort of like, so the thing about Russia actually is that you are really great. You do under, like you maybe, you do understand that you have, um, opportunities that you wouldn't have, that like in some ran it feels random to you in some way that I, you have them right I, and you're grateful for them which is such an important note for you people well I'm preaching a choir here but that's why immigration is so important because immigrants can come in from outside and really make something happen because they're grateful for all the shit that us assholes take for granted you fucks I'm speaking to myself, too. That felt good. But I'm so grateful. I wouldn't be able like, look at Pussy Riot. I wouldn't be able to speak out against the government. I wouldn't be able to speak at all. I wouldn't be able to have a voice. Mm-hmm. It, if I was a woman elsewhere, you know, it's it's a different story. So I'm very grateful to be an American and to be able to live in such a great country and continue to make America great in my own way, mm-hmm. which is helping women in diversity mm-hmm. and um, immigration and helping people have a chance, have a dream. And what, what, what kinds of things are you most focused on changing? What would you like to change? I mean, women, would you like to see what, where do you think in your, from your point of view, where do you think women are, you know, being, wh- which way are they treated the most unfairly? So many ways, Lisa. So I know, many but ways. is there one, and one there way in is. particular? Um, one of the biggest ways that women can affect change is through funding. And through finance and through through money because money is power and um four years ago my partners and i launched the crowdfunding platform called fund dreamer it's f-u-n-d-d-r-e-a-m-e-r fund dreamer it's still operating we're just on hiatus because our last two years have just been like wild mm-hmm. i've launched my podcast i launched my crowdfunding um mm-hmm. my um my podcast 
So I've been building up different arms of it and we've all been moving and getting divorced and getting married and it's been wild. So the platform is still operational. So if anybody wants to crowdfund on it, fundreamer.com is up and running. We're still running campaigns. We're just not promoting anything on social media or doing any campaigns. We've helped raise over 1.75, close to $2 million for wow. 250 campaigns all over the wow. world in India and Romania. And uh, we're a really great competitor to GoFundMe because what makes us different is you get to keep all the money. Um, we charge mm-hmm. the donors um, the fee to donate and we don't charge you. Mm-hmm. And we have all these really great features, but it's really hard to run a crowdfunding platform when you're not funded, right? So that's mm-hmm. another thing about women and diversity getting funded as opposed to like, you know, you have Zuckerberg raising money. He dropped out of college and he gets like a bunch of money from Napster because he's on the white dude network. Let's just say that, right? right. So I'm very passionate about um, helping develop women entrepreneurs and um, also women VCs and um, also helping women regain financial power in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So finance is a huge, huge passion area. I can spend a whole entire podcast talking on because when you empower a woman, that money goes directly into the community. It goes into her family and it goes directly into her community where mm-hmm. necessarily if you empower mm-hmm. men, that usually goes elsewhere so do you ever sleep that's what i want to know i do like do do you have any downtime or like what's your like what's your idea of wasting time um my idea of wasting time do you feel bad when you waste time um like is there any because i don't waste time you never waste time i never so how can anybody deal with being around you 24 7 oh i don't hang out with too many people that's why (laughs) i mean that's that you're you're like you're like um do you I have downtime. My downtime involves um, sitting down to watch a movie. Okay, so as a way to relax, I do like um, smoking. So I'll smoke to just like chill out, right? Smoke marijuana. Yeah, because I have like a ton of energy, right? So I'm like a huge cannabis advocate. So, um, but I don't get a chance to do that too often because I'm busy. So, you know, like obviously I'm not going to be smoking because I'm running a company and I've got 3,000 things. So whenever like on one night, whenever a month or something, whenever I have time, I really enjoy it because it gives a chance for my brain to just like calm down. Right. But I also, um, I also take time to work out. That's really and a way exercise. for me to like, right. That's you. to release, but I'm not, I'm not a person. Like I was just, I was on the couch for like four days working because I had the flu. So I was like working through the fever, but that was like my body literally like running into the ground. So there must be a lot of reward in this for you. Let's let's talk about some of the things that you've done, like what that have really made you feel rewarded. I mean, if you weren't being rewarded for what all the activities that you're pursuing, you probably wouldn't keep doing them. Right. I mean, if they weren't satisfying. Um. Yes, I think reward is a concept that is different to other people, right? Some people look for financial rewards. Some other people look for... I'm em- talking emotional Emotional reward. rewards, right? <laughs> like for me, it's definitely not financial reward. It's like what? as a woman who's t- just been like selling her company and selling all this other stuff, like I still, I want to be very clear that I still fund all my projects through working for advertising agencies. Like I have mm-hmm. not been able to get my projects fully funded. Like, hello, Oprah. Hello, Ellen. Hello, female investors that want to invest a bunch of money and right. have a new debt But you're coming. capable of earning, getting paid a, a good amount of money. I'm very lucky, right? Ever. It's not luck. Let's not say it's luck. Well, it's talent and hard work. Come it's on. talent and hard work, but it's also luck because you have to be given the opportunity right, to be put in that space. Right, you got to leave Russia. 
because I got to leave <laughs> Russia, right? I'm lucky because I had a good teacher who are taught still, me English. Are we still going to be friends after this? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm lucky because I, I went to a college and I created my own major, which I realized, holy crap, like the advertising world does not recognize my major. So when I came into... When I came into New York, I was interviewing at BBDO at, um, with, um, gosh, what was his name at the time? Whatever. He's gone. And um, he was like, I was like, hey, here's my thesis. Like, let's create PR and grassroots mm-hmm. advertising and let's do good for companies and turn that into advertising. And he was like, but, but can you write a jingle? And I was like, yes, of course. But this is like a bigger idea. So I'm very lucky that I've been given these opportunities but again, as a woman, I constantly have to fight for my wages, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. constantly going into an ad agency and I'm like, and they're like, hi, can we hire you to do this, this, this and like and work? And and I'm like, yes. And this is my fee. And that's a lot lower than a lot of other men in my position charge. And they're like, well, can we pay you less? And you're like, no. But then mm-hmm. they're like, well, we don't have a budget. So you end up negotiating somewhere like so I'm always negotiating, right, mm-hmm. as a woman. Mm-hmm. And then there are just always ways that you're like, wait, but they want me to work a 50 hour week, but then they're not going to pay me time and a half. And how is this legal? Like, let's just have a conversation of like, how is this legal? How are ad agencies getting away? So you're, you're not afraid to confront people and ask them and, and, you know, to like say, Hey, what the hell are you doing? Well, I've learned that when I confront, I have to be ready for you know, you, the end. Yeah, right. It's a risk. <laughs> it's a risk. So how does that work for you? Um, you know, you just have to trust. I mean, I mean you know, I, I, I imagine that most of the time it's fairly, you know, does it work out mostly in your favor? I mean, um, I'm, I'm no, thinking. it doesn't. It doesn't. doesn't because to, I've, wow. I've, you know, I've always, I've had a bunch of projects where I'm like, okay, they're not calling me back again. That's fine. Whatever. Because I just won't be a slave. Mm-hmm. And it's not that like, okay, you have me working 60, 70 hour weeks. That's fine. But like, if I'm doing this for three months straight and my eyes twitching, I need a few days off. And like, if you're not going to give me a few days off, like obviously I'm going to leave because my health is more important. Mm-hmm. And I also am trying to align my values with the people and the companies that have similar views that like, hey, don't abuse workers. Mm-hmm. Be nice to mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Be considerate. Say thank you. You know, right. It's, it's, so you're, you know, so you're, you're grounded in the sense that you're going to negotiate the way that you need and you get plenty of work, obviously. So no, it's still you, hard. I still have to work. I still have to hustle. But, but every you're, day. you're more interested in being in like maintaining your, your boundaries and your control and all that instead of, and if, let the chips fall where they may. Right. Well, I have a career, right? And I try to navigate it. And my goal is to always get the best work that I can and also be able to work on the projects that align with my values. Like, mm-hmm. I love working on projects that promote women and diversity. So I would love to work, you know, with more companies that are streamlined to do that, where I can, you know, work mm-hmm. with them in my creative agency, where mm-hmm. we have a larger client that we help promote these wonderful stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check us out at dreamnation.com com uh dot io dot, dot io <laughs> yeah creative agency so, so what what um so let's talk we're getting we're getting yeah so let's find out what you what's going on in your life right now what are you working on right now oh gosh what am i working on right now i have a project that i'm working on that i can't talk about i have like three thousand <laughs> ndnas so i'm like well hold the things i Wait, really can't ND- talk about oh so you can't talk about all I your can't stuff talk about all my stuff t- because you've signed all these agreements. They're yeah. All, it's all in the works. It's all in the works. So I work for like a lot of like Fortune mm-hmm. 500 companies. 
Mm-hmm. So um, I can't talk about the only thing I can really talk about is Dream Nation. So I guess I'll just talk about um, Dream Nation itself. So what I have is a podcast, which you can check out on iTunes and Spotify mm-hmm. under Dream and, Nation Love, because what, there's a love underneath um, everything and at the end of everything. So um, it's on Instagram as well and Facebook and Twitter and all the social channels. So it's a podcast. But then I also have my creative agency. So there I work with different clients, helping them promote um, women and diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done, um, let me see, a few, uh, a few years ago, I actually did a few concepts for the Women's March. They called me like five days before they launched. Then they were like, can you redesign a bunch of images on our website? And I was like, sure. And then I was like, wait, you have no acquisition funnel on here. Like, wait, you're just capturing bus data, but you don't have anything mm-hmm. to log in emails. Like, here's what you should be doing on your website. Mm-hmm. So I sent that to them and they were like, oh, well, we just wanted pictures. And I'm like, oh. I know, but like as an agency, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. I I work in like acquisition funnels mm-hmm. and I can like, you know, it's more than so just So you pictures. really understand like the technology and how, I understand how, te- they, how the thing works. I understand technology. I understand community building and I understand um, aggregation and uh, acquisition funnels and business strategy. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is. Whatever that is, right? So like I'm really, really good at that. And um, a monetization. <laughs> So, um, so I have my creative agency and, um, right now what I'm working on is um, a book. I'm working on a book. I've been, we're actually working on it since fourth grade. When I immigrated, Mm -hmm. I couldn't talk to anyone. So I ended up journaling a lot. And that's where like this journal that I've had for years and Mm -hmm. many, many different notepads, Mm -hmm. um, has lived. And it's kind of a cross between like a David Sedaris story and maybe like girl boss. I Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit Mark Twain. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's funny. So, um, so I'm working on a um, proposal for it. It's taken me a lot longer than. I know. And then I'm also um, turning the podcast hopefully into a talk show. So I'd love to be like an Ellen or kind of like an Oprah before like a modern day age where I think Mm -hmm. we can have a lot of conversations about uh, what people are passionate about, Mm -hmm. you know, and just because I'm focused on women and diversity doesn't mean I can't have men on a show because, you know, inclusion is Mm -hmm. inclusion. And I like to talk about inclusion. And one day I'd like to have my own network like Oprah. So there you go. And a tech platform and creating mm-hmm. content and film. I, you're the person to do it for well, sure. So we have a little team, so we're working on it. So do you have any uh, thoughts or advice for what what kind of stuff, what kind of mistakes do women make? You know, like I'll just talk about like what would advice maybe you should give. I mean, I'm not working in advertising anymore, but I always felt really kind of vulnerable in, and I felt that I didn't have a lot of power and I didn't know how to fight that, you know? Um, but do you see, do you see like sometimes women, women are evaluated differently, aren't they? I think so. And I think when you find yourself in those positions, if you can find a way out and create your own power, right? The only, nobody's going to give you power. You have to take it. And in order to take that power, you have to create your own power. And that power comes from community, right? And it comes from alliances and it comes from friends, So the only way that women can control their lives is through money, right? Which is the biggest thing, which is, oh, can I leave my job? I don't have the money to do that. Well, okay, you can't leave your job, but maybe you can like work on your side project at night, 15 minutes throughout Mm -hmm. the year, every day adds Mm -hmm. up, right? Like, like what can you do to move yourself into a position of power? Yeah. And, and it does have, I mean, I agree. Like it does have um, a lot to do with financial security, doesn't it? Everything has to do with financial security. I think yeah. a lot of, it comes back to women. Women get stuck in horrible relationships because they don't have financial security. Right, and they get it from the guy. And they get it from the guy. And sometimes, you know, it's so tricky. 
because sometimes you go into a relationship and like the husband makes more money. So then you are like, okay, well, I guess I'll raise the kids. But then like in the long run, you end up losing money. So you're like, well, in the long run, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm losing out on like Mm -hmm. social security and all this other stuff. And, um, it's very complicated. Like one day I actually hope to like give a talk on, um, a woman in economics at the London school of economics. Wow. So yeah. like, that's, that's a project like 10 years down the road. I'm no, like, I'd I, love to do it. I think it's really true though. Cause I remember from working in advertising as an art director, like I always felt vulnerable because, um, I didn't have money coming in from anywhere. And, um, you know, it was really hard to feel secure cause people get fired all the time, whatever. And I used to sort of like look at the men and I'd look at the married women and they could, they were a lot more comfortable at work because they didn't ever really have to worry about like just being on their own or taking care of themselves. Well, they have other things that they stress out about, right? Because once you have a family, there are like more things. It's kind of like, you know, like. But you're not on your own. You're not on your own, but there are other problems right because then you have kids and then you have a mortgage and then you have all this other stuff that just compounds and then the pressure comes when oh my gosh i'm not in the right relationship but i can't get out because i've surrounded myself with stuff Mm -hmm. right so that's another really really huge problem but i think what women can really do is really 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 listen to that little voice inside of them like that Mm -hmm. little voice that is your fight or flight instinct that just goes i want to get the hell out of here And if the hell out of here is that job or that marriage, whatever, listen to that voice, but like plan and go, what is my next step? Right? Like I was married for 11 years and like, I did not want to leave that relationship. I was in love with that person and Mm -hmm. we were in love with each other, but it wasn't working. So we're like, oh my gosh, this isn't working. And like, I didn't want, he really wanted to have kids and he was 14 years older. So 14, 14. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I, I just, you know, I thought I was ready, but I'm not. And like, I don't want to keep on telling you. I don't want to keep on giving you false promises. And I want you to have your happiness. And I wanted him to be so happy. So I was like, okay, I want you to be happy. Like, like you want to, you want to break up? Like, let's do this. Because I, I, I care about him and I want him to be happy. And a family will make him happy. And So you broke up with him because he wanted a family. Well, or that other was things, a big part of it. Yeah. You know, just like being more present, being more of a woman, like just... He wanted somebody who can fill that role because that's what he needed. Right. Which is perfectly fine. You know, like, and we had a great time when we love each other and we had like an amazing time. But I think relationships change. And that's the biggest thing that people don't realize that over time relationships change. So even though you might be someone for 10 years, the next 10 years might be different. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on how both of you are aligned and the timing. Mm-hmm. It, it's all timing, right? So you realize that at some point and then you realize that that wasn't going to work. So yeah. that must have been hard to get out of because you weren't like, I hate this person. It's really hard, right? Yeah. It's really but hard. But you're glad you did? Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm very glad. Um, do you think you're ever going to want to have children? Oh, I want babies like right now. You do? Yeah, I do. I want to like get pregnant like literally this year. Why did Why did you not? Um, why did you not feel that? Like, see, I mean, I never want to have kids, mm-hmm. and I have no regrets about that. I mean, I've got a great stepson. I'm just lucky that ha- that came along in my life. But nevertheless, like, how did you change your mind so radically about wanting to have kids? You know what? think I didn't want to have kids because I didn't feel like I was in control of my life in that mm-hmm. relationship. And I think it was because this is such an a interesting conversation. Lisa. relationship. 
that yeah. particular. And I think control, I just want to say, is like a huge overriding. You know that, right? Yeah. You know, what's really interesting. I've never thought about these things. So it's really interesting that you're having me like reflect on everything, which is like a really nice closure loop for like the last five years. Because, um, you know, I was freelancing and I was so busy with my career and everything else, but I wasn't doing exactly what I wanted, which was making room for me to do the stuff that I wanted to because he expected me to spend more time with him. But uh, now I'm in a place where like I can just exist and I can be me and I have a partner that recognizes me for me mm-hmm. and they're creating the space for me to be me knowing that they'll be them and we can coexist together and we can have this experience and like together we want to build something but we also acknowledge each other's full being mm-hmm. right so he's like i know you're going to be busy i know you're going to be like mm-hmm. that's totally fine like i fully support it and i love mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i don't want mm-hmm. you to change so you feel safe having a a, a, a child you might feel you're more like this this relationship or whatever it might or whatever might this relationship has more space for me to be myself, uh-huh. which means I can bring more of myself to the child. Does that make sense? Yeah. As opposed yes. to the previous relationship yes. where I was expected to be like a really great mother and like. Well, much older man. Right. Too. Yeah. So I was not ready to play that role because that would mean denying a part of myself. Mm-hmm. Whoa. How deep is that? Right. Right. No, that's great. And you know, um, I mean, that's a really good lesson I'm learning here. We're all learning. I think that's right? a really hard being. I think that's a really hard thing to achieve what you're talking about. And, uh, it does take a lot of courage to do that. And it's, I think that's, you know, impressive. I will say that you know, I found I've had a lot of relationships. I'm like the Elizabeth Taylor. You know, I've dated a lot of men in my lifetime. I've lived with a few men. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and I always found the men trying to suppress me in some way. Yeah. Right. I I had this douchebag of a boyfriend a few years ago after I broke up. Who's a friend? Sorry, douchebag. I called you a douchebag. You're a brilliant writer, but you're a douchebag. And I remember we were hanging out one day and um, we were talking and he was like, don't you want to be the wife of a brilliant writer? <laughs> Hilarious. And I just said, I am a brilliant writer. And I can also be a great wife to a brilliant writer. And I'm fully myself. That's so fucked up. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But like, I finally found a person who just lets me be me. And who's like, I want you to succeed, baby. Just go. Yeah, it is. Just it is. Go. It is. You know, I mean, that's what I am surprised about, how there's so much of that still going on where women, even younger women who um, sublimate who they are to men, like our society is so uh, defined. You know, it's just like we're 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 brainwashed. We're brainwashed, folks. Lisa, but it's so easy, right? Like I go into domestic really. mode all the time. I'm like, oh, let me clean this up. Let me do this. But I'm like, what am I doing? Like everybody's equal. Like y- women go into like mother mode all the time. Yes, yes, yes. You know what? I'm going to have to, um, we're going to have to end this at least for now. But um, I want to thank you so much for being here. What a great session this is. And I've gotten so much out of it. And I want to uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, it's Instagram is uh, Dr. Lisa Levy SP. Um, thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Please stick around. We've got a great afternoon planned. So good. We've got Lost and Marie.